Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We'll rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched The Pit and the Pendulum. Thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. The Pit and the Pendulum takes place in Toledo, Spain in the year 1492. The Spanish Inquisition has a stronghold on the town, led by the monk Torquemada, played by Lance Henriksen. While a woman is being punished for being a witch, bakers Maria and Antonio attempt to stop the punishment. Maria is arrested on the spot for being a witch herself, who may have put Torquemada under her spell. Screenplay by Dennis Paoli, directed by Stuart Gordon, and released on May 31st, 1991. Have you seen The Pit and the Pendulum before? No, I have not. No, me either. I think this may be my first um, full moon entertainment movie that I can think of. Okay. Do you know about full moon? No. Okay. They are... I think it's probably important to note <laughs> up front. They they are a direct-to-video, uh, you know, company. Uh-huh. Their niche, their their purpose was to build um, movies that had decent enough quality, uh, but you know, sort of churn them out right. So the uh, the okay. point was like to have like low budget stuff that kind of looked like it could have had a bigger budget than it did. Uh, but, you know, really focus on, like, horror and sci-fi and stuff like that um, and cater to the direct-to-video market. This oh. is, I think, is one of the few examples where the movie actually hit theaters to some degree before it actually reached video. But most of their stuff was, you know, on the shelves of Blockbuster or yeah, local, direct- okay. local video spot. This gave me direct-to-video vibes. Yes, yeah, so they, they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, how is this in the movie theater? Because. I don't know, but it. I don't know. I, I honestly, I didn't write down the box office. I'm looking right now and I realized I know it I was not, in um, I did not just random those. festivals. Yeah, but, but it's on our, it's on our list of movies that have box office performance. So I think it probably just had a couple limited releases and yeah maybe some uh, it made some money in the theaters and then a couple midnight showings in a couple cities for a few weeks or something who knows right um but yeah technically it yeah it looks like a direct-to-video movie oh yeah (laughs) um and the acting matches that quite well Mm -hmm. um you have a couple bigger names in there lance henriksen of course uh, the biggest one, who is the lead character, Torquemada. Um, and he is extremely overacting this part, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have probably the other biggest name at this point is Mark Margolis, who plays Mendoza, oh, yeah. uh, who everyone now knows from Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, is T.O. Salamanca. His non-speaking part with the the bell. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean he does have speaking in Better Call Saul because he's yes, he's pre pre bell. Yeah, pre bell. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. This is a total not have anything to do with the movie or anything. But my one of my favorite Twitter accounts was someone <laughs> yeah. someone made a. The Tio Salamanca. The Tio Salamanca, like his handle or Twitter handle, and it's just ding, 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 ding. Yeah, just him digging in, re- in response to other people's tweets. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Okay. <laughs> but he's in this as Mendoza, yeah. basically like the sort of, not exactly the right-hand man of Torquemada, but like one of the key henchmen. He, he yeah, he was kind of like Igor in, he, that's what he was giving me, like, like frankenstein igor vibes yeah he was sort of like the lead punishment person but he wasn't like the right hand man of torquemada that was 
a guy named Francisco, played by Jeffrey Combs, who's in a ton of Full Moon stuff and a lot of Stuart Gordon's movies. Um, and we'll see him a bunch in 1991, so I won't really talk about him here. Acting is over the top. The set pieces are one step above like a Broadway stage play, right? You know, because they're pretty basic, but they have, you know, a little bit of extra decoration because they don't have to be moved around the stage as if it were like a off-Broadway play or something. Um, but certainly not super polished. And then you have a story that is as basic as all get out. Yeah. Um, and you also have this company that's became known. I mean, this is one of their earlier movies, I guess. Um, it became known for, you know, producing horror and whatever. Um, and it doesn't really go all out with the gore and the blood and the horror aspect. It's more... It's not, and it's not even really psychological terror either. It's like some weird fantasy. Oh, it's like weird Spanish Inquisition fanfic, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's like historical fiction. Yeah, historical fanfic. Yeah, based off an Edward, uh, Edgar but Allan Poe. Extremely loosely story. based because I. I didn't read the short story, but I read like a Cliff's Notes of the short story, mm-hmm. and it's ex- extremely loosely based. Like they got the title. Yeah, they probably they used got the a pit period. and they used a pendulum, so they're like, let's just call it the pit and the pendulum. Yeah. That's my thoughts. And that came in later. Like the, the pit and the pendulum is basically like the climax of the movie. Yeah. And Up until that point, it's like a lot of uh, standard torture stuff that you would typically see in, in these types of movies where people are like hung or, you know, choked out or put into cells and cut and whipped. Um, this put is on the probably rack. like because the uh, cover of the VHS or whatever, the DVD or whatever is very Cinemax looking. <laughs> I don't know, because yeah, it's kind of yeah. like. Uh, you you see the Torquemada guy just sitting on, like, a throne. You see kind of, like, that pendulum, the blade. Mm-hmm. And then you have a naked woman, but you only see her backside. Okay. So, so it's just very... Yeah, it gives you the hint of what you're sort of getting into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it pretty well encapsulates what you're after. Um, and the women characters in this, obviously, are not treated well at all no um which i'm sure is time period accurate oh uh, yeah i mean especially considering the subject matter and i mean yeah the spanish inquisition and then the whole yeah the witches this is you know but yeah like even oh. her own husband is very gropy in the beginning oh yeah so um and that's a weird little thing like they said that they've known each other for less than a year and they're already married and well, figures, but, uh, yeah, who I knows know. the time? I mean... <laughs> I just thought it was kind of weird. They probably just met up and were like, hey, let's get married. They don't talk about their history at all. Yeah, they're just like, Cause it oh, makes we you like think, you, I like you, you like me, let's, let's get, get married. Let's get married and, and that's so it. we can do each other. Yeah. Because, you know, she's uber religious. I mean, that could have been it. She's like, I will not have sex until I'm married. So he's probably like, okay, let's get married. Yeah. Could be. They don't Because she is super, and then during that time, you are forced to be Catholic. And, and yeah, so she's very much devout, um, yeah. which is why she's, you know, so thrown for uh, a loop when she's accused of being a witch. Um, so the way that kind of happens, we alluded to it in the summary paragraph, is that um, there is some sort of a public execution slash punishment happening for someone who was confirmed to be a witch yes um by the church um and that woman well actually a little bit before that (laughs) um torquemada exhumes a body at the very beginning of the movie yeah this confused me immediately yeah so he exhumes the body of uh, a dead person alfonso de alba molina i wrote it down uh, and accuses the dead of heresy um, as a way to punish their his descendants. So basically he's accusing this person who is already dead and already a skeleton uh-huh. of crimes against the church 
And the punishment for that is that the church can now steal money from the family and punish the wife and the family. Yeah. Um, and so that the public execution is basically for the wife, but the dead person is getting like whipped as well. Like they, you yeah, know, and the family's they assign, watching. Like, lashes and they have been like he's like his skull is like crushed to dust. That's where I was like, why are you already punishing the person that's already dead? Like, I get that it's punishing the family because the family's watching. Yeah, it's just like a stupid workaround. Um, just, you know. But, I mean, that's that's what the Spanish Inquisition is about, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's the church doing whatever it wants. Right. In, in the by, interest of by justice. By the Pope's orders, yes. Um, but they're just, you know all-powerful and they just make up the rules and you have to go with it otherwise you're gonna get punished too oh yeah so i mean that's really all it is is them abusing power um so yeah the the wife the contessa uh melina is played by the director's wife carolyn pretty gordon um and she's in a bunch of her husband's films and usually gets killed in them (laughs) okay (laughs) like that's some sort of like thing that they do um so she's it's nice. I she's guess. getting choked know. out by the executioner, which is weird because like he puts her on, the executioner puts her on his back and like choking her with the rope, and like he's sort of like, you know, walking around the the square with it. Remember that? Yeah, until like, she dies. Until yeah. she dies, and then they hang her, or maybe just until she becomes unconscious. I don't know. Um, but it's uh, just a to, weird way to do it. And then hang her just to make sure that she's fully dead. Yeah, it's just a weird way to do it, and and so yeah, Maria. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was a torturing, uh, not device, but torturing way back then. I have no idea. It could have been technique. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? Um, But Maria and Antonio are there in the square um, because they were trying to sell their bread to the crowd because they really need to sell their bread to make a living. And that's where the crowd is. And then they get swooped up and sort of pushed with the rest of the onlookers and they don't want to be there and they try to stop it and then they're accused of being um enemies of the church as well torquemada comes down and like grabs maria's hand and he has some sort of weird vision thing yeah um, while the body is burning behind him and um she's a witch (laughs) so yeah she just speaks up and you know you can't you can't do that you can't do that, or you're a witch. And Torquemada has like a big old crush or something, and he's yeah, ashamed of it, and becomes, he throws her in a cell. Yeah, he's like, I am attracted to this woman, and it's her fault because I'm attracted to her. She's seducing me. Yes, she's putting putting a her spell. spell. Yes. yes, so she is a witch. She's and... manipulating me. Yeah. So. Uh, and then they they think they killed the husband. They knocked him unconscious and leave him there. And then he uh, wakes up later and then tries to sneak into the the jail to rescue his wife, um, which doesn't go well. He's caught immediately because the guard who helps sneak him in turns him in. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was kind of a weird scene, like where he's like that guard uh, who's like taking the bribe. I don't know, it just, like, everyone else is trying to be sort of, like, old English-like, you know, like, being more, yeah. you know, period-like in, in their in their delivery, and this guy's like, yeah, give me a dollar, man. Like, I don't know, I like, his delivery yeah. is much more modern and, and is yeah. kind of off-putting. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that actor, Stephen Lee, who played Gomez, uh, he was in one episode of Roseanne in 1991, and then in 1994, he went on to play tom arnold in the tv movie roseanne and tom behind the scenes interesting yeah i thought that was odd so if you've ever seen that tv movie the guy who played tom arnold was that guy so yeah so they're both in jail basically um and while maria is in her cell she meets a quote-unquote real witch named esmeralda mm-hmm. and i guess she's a real witch I mean, she's, they say that she is, um, a doula. Okay. Or a midwife. Yeah, she was a midwife. The, uh, they don't really say the word doula. And apparently you can't be a midwife. You can't, unless you're a doctor, you cannot deliver babies. Mm. That's what I'm assuming. 
because she's using like you know herbs and natural like natural birth, birth methods mm-hmm. and apparently you cannot be doing that so they call her a witch but she's like yeah i'm a witch yeah she's te- she's even confessing like every single day you're like yep i'm a witch mm-hmm. <laughs> so and she like, kind of shows off her powers in a couple different scenes as well yeah for the sake of the movie i mean sure why not you know, like, let some mysticism happen. Uh-huh. Um, because the wife does it a little bit, too, near the end. Uh, Maria does. And she's played by this actress, Frances, Frances Bay. Frances Bay, yep. And to me, she is known for the older woman that Seinfeld steals the marble rye from in I think most people know the marble rye <laughs> the marble rye they know Seinfeld. and she says no my mar she's in a couple of Seinfeld episodes so I was like oh the marble rye lady and if you don't know Seinfeld you might know her as the g- grandma from Happy Gilmore mm. mm-hmm. um, she's also been in a couple other things and we'll see her in the 1991 movie Critters 3 as well so yeah she like helps maria find her happy place while she's being tortured uh and they find like i don't know they get transported into some sort of like field or grove with like a waterfall yeah it's like some this fantasy type forest place because they're dressed up in this gave me like the movie legend vibes because okay. it was very you know old timey <laughs> not old timey but <laughs> just like fantasy. mid yeah it's like medieval time forest middle of nowhere and then there's like you know a lot of mist and like pollen in the air mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so I don't <laughs> that was like some dream sequence that was probably the but she nicest. was like set piece yeah but she kept on saying don't look down right because if you look down she would realize that she wasn't actually so like they're floating well she Uh, was on the rack at the time yeah i know she's being tortured and and... so if you look down then you see you're not touching ground and you're going to be brought back to reality Mm. so it's sort of like if you walk off a cliff like your wily coyote don't look down because as soon as you look down you're going to see that the rock isn't there anymore and you're going to fall that same yeah. type of mentality. But, yeah, d- during the time, she was like, just look at me, look at me, don't look down. And yeah. she was like, you know, in this mental state of, you know, contentment, I guess, mm-hmm. while yeah, they're torturing of letting, her. Letting the torture happen and not affect her at all. Yeah. But that was short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shortly. Um, but yeah, they definitely torture Maria in multiple ways. Uh, she scroped a lot in this movie. She's stripped naked a few times, a lot of leering and whatnot. And there's, like, some, like, random parts where Torquemada is, like, trying to pretend like he's a voice of reason, but not really. I mean, just because he wants her for himself, probably. Yeah. More so than he wants to stop that assault. The first half is pretty slow, and there's not much that happens that's very interesting. Um... It's a lot of setup. Again, in, in a movie like this, I would probably expect to see like more gore, more, you know, ripped body parts or whatever, you know, because you're talking about torture. So like, let's see other people that yeah, there, you know, there are other people other in other tortured, and let's see you cells, know, some special effects. But they only focus on her, Maria, and Esmeralda. Yeah, and Antonio after he gets captured. Yeah, but there. At the end, they free the people from these cells, but they don't show those people at all, except for that one time they were being freed, or when she's sort of being walked into her own cell. Right. Yeah. So or they don't. When Antonio's like trying to find her after he gets in. Yeah, because there like are sure. a lot of other people, but yeah, they could show them being tortured as well. Right. Or like. Um... You know, when the witches burned at the beginning, they don't show a whole lot of that stuff. Like, they show a right. couple shots of her, like, with her tongue out and, like, a little bit of special makeup on there. But, I mean, it could have gone further, but maybe it's just that... Um, I'll say it this way. Like, I was expecting more of a trauma type of a situation than what I got. Mm-hmm. If you're comparing direct-to-video companies that deal with, like, horror and disturbing material... I was expecting more trauma, but maybe this is what Full Moon 
maybe this is what Full Moon usually does, is try to make it seem more legitimate by not going overboard. So, um, but anyway, Antonio's there. He fights people with a ladle, <laughs> and he does really well. So the baker has some moves, I guess, just whatever. Um, but he's obviously trapped at some point as well. Um, a whole bunch of random crap happens. I don't really, I don't know if it's worth rehashing, to be honest with you. Nah. But at some point, Torquemada is alone with Maria, uh, trying to get her to confess, slash take advantage of her, um, and then she uses like her witch powers to make a sword fall from the sky. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is established that she is a witch. Esmeralda, Esmeralda tells her that she's a witch. Yes, because then now Maria is... Yeah, using forces and stuff. Yeah, Esmeralda to is prevent the herself type. from yep. being killed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Torquemada. He, he says that he, he essentially will free, he will free her husband if, if she, she will be with him, basically. Yeah, but how? Yeah, and then that's when she was like, "How can I be with you if you're a monk?" You know. Mm-hmm. And. She just, you know, but she was like, I will do anything to free my husband. And he was like, okay, well, if I free him, you can't even see him. Yeah, you will never see him again. You will never be able to see him again. She's like, I will literally do anything for him to be free. And then, you know, he's like seduced by her powers, quote, (laughs) <laughs> and he like climbs on top of her. You this see, is like, like this cross behind his head. It, yeah, I get. I was getting some, a little scared. I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen, and I'm scared. But yeah, yeah she like wills this sword atop of them to fall. It misses both of them, but he thinks it's a sign from God. Yes, that he's not supposed to kill her. Yeah. And instead, he cuts out her tongue. Yes, and he writes in this book saying that she's innocent. Yes. Because <laughs> those are, I guess, the, a court, whatever is written in this book is Bond. Yeah. Because that's a... It comes from him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, in the later on in the movie, they're like, no, 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 she shouldn't die because according to this book, she's innocent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and whatever is written in this book should be done by whatever this book says. Yeah. yeah he's, but yeah, he's he cuts it. her tongue out and be- she's pretty much left to die because she's bleeding out. Right. And then she does die, quote, die, but not really. Yeah. So She just passes out and they think she's dead. She passes out. Esmeralda claims to put a spell on her that basically says... You're going to be dead for as long as you need to be. Uh-huh. They're all going to think that you're dead. They're going to take you out of this place. Yeah. And then you will wake up and become alive again. Yes. So it's like, you know, it's sort of like a Romeo and Juliet type of a situation where she drinks like enough poison to whatever, uh, or was it Romeo? I forget which one does which first. <laughs> well, but, you know, the Juliet, one who, like, yeah, who takes... But she doesn't. But, like, you know, they think they're dead, but they're not dead. Yes. That's but, all I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> Juliet doesn't, but then Romeo thinks she did. Right. She did. He drinks the poison. She wakes up. Well, she reaches for him, and then yeah. when he realizes... I don't know why we're talking... Yeah, I'm just mean the first part, like, where the, first, where the person's, like, sort, pretending to be dead, but the other person... Yeah. Part, uh, so, anyway, Antonio thinks that his wife is dead because he sees her getting carted out. Uh, yes. But he's still determined to fight back, and uh, he's able to... Yeah, he wants to avenge her death. Yeah, he's able to basically uh, escape at some point. I kind of forget how... Oh, is it just... Does he escape at all before they put him into the pit? I thought he didn't. I thought they just captured him. Or like just kill people. Well, he didn't that. go in the pit. They just all of a sudden he gets knocked well, he out. Put in, on top of the pit. Yeah, he's on top of it, but there's that pendulum above. Yeah, I thought he had did something down else to uh, 
to break free, but maybe not. I think the only other thing of note that happens is um, that Esmeralda explodes. <laughs> That's at the near the end. So, I mean... Well, it's before the pendulum, though. Okay, yeah. So, on the way out, Esmeralda... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Esmeralda is going out. She's going to be burned alive because she's a witch. Yeah. And she sees... <laughs> Like a pile of gunpowder. She's like, yeah. oh, gunpowder. And she starts eating it. Yeah. This is like... Just chowing down on the funny. Uh, it shouldn't be funny, but I was like, okay, yeah, we're going some, there. There's a couple parts where it seems like it's meant to be funny. Yeah, she not. was like, ooh, gunpowder. She yeah. starts eating it. And I was like, why? But then we find out why when she's burning at the stake. But, I mean, even before that, after... um. Torquemada cuts off Maria's tongue. He starts to bleed from the mouth because he's he's lying mm-hmm. and saying that she was killed. That she was killed by Esmeralda. Yes. Yeah. But he's lying, and then you know God is punishing him because he starts like bleeding from the tongue too. Cause yep. Whenever he's talking or whatever, and he's like, he's like. God is my witness, like, strike yeah. upon me if I'm lying. And then, yes, he is lying, yeah. so he starts bleeding from the mouth. And no one cares. Yeah. But And then also, but when they are burning Esmeralda at the stake, he starts bleeding from the mouth again, and that's mm-hmm. when his uh, sidekicks or whatever and I think that's also when Maria realized. starts talking telepathically. Yes. Because she, she, she's she saying wakes her up husband, and she's alive, and, and uh, but she, she's she in can't, a coffin. Yeah, she can't, you know, talk. She's screaming. Yeah, she's making noises and whatnot. But... Yeah, she's grunting and screaming through this coffin, but, you know, no one can hear her because it's right. like this big slab yeah. upon her. Yeah, and I think at some point Antonio does escape because he's, like, at the coffin. Her, no, that must be after the pendulum then. No, he comes to her... While he's at, she telepathically starts saying his name while he's on the pendulum, isn't and, it? And then after he beats up people, then he runs to the coffin? Yes. Okay. We're going back and forth, but... Yeah, it's yeah. tough to know. Because, <laughs> yeah, But, know. okay. And then, anyway. but anyway, so the while, <laughs> yeah, while Esmeralda, Esmeralda is burning at the stake... You know, Torquemada's mouth starts bleeding and he starts, like, choking on it or whatever. And then yeah. I thought his uh, sidekicks are like, oh, we think he's lying. Because they sort of go against him. Yeah, at some point Mendoza has a change of heart. Uh, Mendoza's been punished by Torquemada as well. He'd been crucified and had stakes through his hands at yeah. some point as punishment for some other thing. And so... Um, the other part was that um, basically Torquemada at one point said that uh, the next person to kill uh, any of our prisoners is going to face God's wrath as well. It's going mm-hmm. to be treated as like an enemy of the church. And then he himself was the one to kill Maria, mm-hmm. quote yeah. unquote, which is why he blamed Esmeralda to shift the blame. Yes. But everyone and that's else why knew she was that it was like actually Torquemada. But, you know... While as Esmeralda is burning at the stake, that's when her entire body blows up, and that is the result of eating the gunpowder. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, that. Yeah, she's wily coyote. Right? Yeah, I was <laughs> just. Example. I just. That's when I started laughing because I was yeah. like, that's not possible. But whatever. Yeah, but like that's where like okay, now the good stuff's happening, right? Like. But that you know. was at the very very end, exactly. almost. Yeah, but that um, was the only like and like shrapnel and quote good scenes are like poking into people. Yeah, and then all these like towns people are like ugh, because and then you see bot like guts and stuff on mm-hmm. their faces and whatever. Like, but the, finally, yeah, that's when finally something. But cool Maria happened. is telepathically speaking, but at this point, Antonio is He's tied, strapped to the floor with the pendulum swinging above. Yeah. Um, and then they also release rats. But and the way he's able to escape is really dumb, and I don't know if that's anything that works 
either. There's a bunch of rats eating him on the floor. One of the rats gets cut in half by the pendulum because it's so close and it's like right because right it's it right on his. They're all kind of up and down his torso. Yeah, and they're, then the they're pendulum there to eat is, him. Yeah, the the pendulum is low enough where it's like slicing the rats. Yeah, uh, so he grabs half a rat and then just squeezes his. It squeezes it to let all the blood juice come out. Yeah, so the and other rats can go to where his hand is and chew off which is the rope. A thing, I guess? I didn't know that rats were attracted to rat blood as food, but that was the intention, I guess, is that he was supposed to, you know, use the rat blood to okay. attract the rats and let them eat so, that and also eat the rope at the okay, same time. Okay, I'm going to go to the actual pit in the pendulum story okay because that part was the only part used from the pit in the pendulum oh that part was in Poe's by story. edgar Allan poe yes interesting okay it's you know it's a short story and it's kind of like an unnamed man who is brought to trial before the spanish you know judges of the spanish inquisition I'm just going to fast forward. He is tied up. Like, everything is dark. He's in this dark um, prisoner cell. He doesn't know what's really going on. He, and he's losing consciousness from being tortured. And he discovers that near the end of this story, that he, he discovers that he is strapped to a frame on his back. He's facing a ceiling. It's all dark. He doesn't know what's okay. going on. So basically throughout the entire course of the story, the story. he is strapped yeah. up at the pendulum. Okay. And he realizes just by a small gleaming light that's illuminated that there's the swinging, uh, the swinging pendulum yeah. above him. So... As this pendulum is coming down on him slowly, the he was able to attract rats by smearing, I guess, other dead rat meat onto him. Hmm. So the rats chew through the straps and he slips free before the pendulum slices him. Okay. This is the only part that is taken from that story One was of the, the rat that I found thing. Was less believable. Is, yes, is from the story. The, okay. yeah, the thing that you found the least believable was yeah. from this story. Well, I'd say there's other stuff that was. I know, less believable. but yeah. <laughs> um, the witch exploding from gunpowder was not in. The I know story. that's. Not... Um, and we haven't even talked about how we also watched the 1961 movie with. Vincent Price. So yeah, basically Mendoza gets free by doing the rat trick, we'll call it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and he's able to like fight off some of these guards. He like pushes one of them into the pendulum and he gets cut in half, like split directly in half. And you see, at one point you see like his half body like on the floor, like going after Torquemada even. Mm. Um, so that was fun. Um, and yeah, basically he's able to push the coffin open and maria is there and that's when everyone revolts against torquemada um but underneath the pendulum is the pit there's yes. like a lever that uh torquemada can control um that opens up and shows like a pit of spikes that's directly underneath it mm-hmm. um surrounding that is a whole bunch of different vents that will shoot out fire from the floor which comes into play um after antonio escapes um so but yeah they all gang up on torquemada um he's there at the pit uh mendoza's up above and he has that change of heart and he pulls on the lever and and uh dude gets spiked in the face yeah and they're and they're let free mendoza and the other people let them let them free because the book says that maria is innocent She's alive yep. again. So she is free, but um, is whatever. she's talking to Antonio telepathically, and she's saying that, you know, her tongue was ripped out, basically. Yeah. And she's like, I can't speak, but I could speak to you telepathically. Yeah. 
Oh, before Torquemada meets his end, though, he's visited by all the people that he tortured, sort of. Yeah, because the they the all movie. kind of come they back come to back. life in yes. a bit. Including that was the another, skeleton. <laughs> yeah, another funny part. That was the second funny part of yeah. the entire movie. Oh, we forgot to mention, yeah, the skeleton is uh, crushed into dust and then put into an hourglass. And so at the end of the movie, the hourglass breaks and then the skeleton reforms like T2 style. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that's that's how that ends. <laughs> right. Was, I, like, I really wish the movie was as goofy and, like... Like, throughout. Throughout, yeah. Not just that last that. 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. it seems like... I don't know what it is, but all these movies, it's like the last 20 minutes, things start happening. Yeah. There's just too much build-up, and it's not interesting. It's the most basic dialogue and, like, overacting and stupid stuff, but oh well. Um, in all honesty, the 1961 movie with Vincent Price, much, much better. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Uh, completely different story. Like, I can't think of anything else that was really the same other than there was a pit and pendulum. Right, because I was like, what? I mean, they're just using... I was like, are they just naming these movies the pit and the pendulum just because there's a literal pit and a literal pendulum? Yeah, just <laughs> because name recognition. the 1961 movie... Yeah, it was much better just plot-wise and then also just acting-wise. Yes. Yeah, Vincent Price is awesome in that. He kind of plays a dual role. He's like this uh, we, uh, grieving widow, widower, I don't know the exact term, mm-hmm. um, of uh, his wife who may have died, may not have died. Um and then the brother comes to find out what happened to her and there's like secrets and intrigue and uh, it's Roger Corman that directed that one. Um, you can definitely see the difference in how uh, Corman and Gordon handle their schlock. And Corman yeah. is much more stylized and interested. So, watch that one for sure. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. We watched That's it on YouTube. It was on YouTube. Uh, this one is... Well, we'll talk about that in Um but yeah, that's the that's the plot. That's that's how it is, and you know, yeah, Lance Henriksen is hamming it up all the live long day. Anything else like that you gleaned from the Poe story that you wish was in the movies? I mean, the Poe story sounds very interesting, but I wouldn't know how they would go about that because it just seems like this man stuck in a very dark room until he finds out that he's in this. So yeah, it's a lot of like inner self reflection. <laughs> yeah, turmoil it's kind of yeah, yeah. That would and be I tough I to haven't do. really read a lot of Edgar Allan Poe, so I haven't Me read either. that. Yeah, and from reading about this 1991 movie, apparently it was loosely based off you know the Pit and the Pendulum, but also another Poe story called The Cask of Amontillado. Okay. But that is also just very loosely based because that story is just kind of like a revenge story. Mm. It's like someone revenging someone else's death. So I can see that because the husband is revenging his wife's, quote, death. Sure. In terms of awards for this specific movie, nothing um, worth noting. I will say, though, that on the same year, Lance Henriksen was awarded the Fangoria Horror Hall of Fame Award in 1991, and that was mostly because of his past work on movies like uh, Aliens, Terminator, Pumpkinhead, Prana 2, stuff like that that he had been in before this. Uh, he's also done like other major movies like Dog Day Afternoon and Right Stuff. Um, a lot of people will probably know him from the TV series Millennium, which was the, you know, Chris Carter's follow-up to X-Files. He had three Golden Globe nominations for that role. Stuart Gordon, who directed this movie, also has the Fangoria Horror Hall of Fame Award from 1997 because he is the director of a lot of stuff like Reanimator and Robot Jocks and Dolls and From Beyond, like a lot of like Lovecraftian things, and he has a lot of, you know, relationship with the Full Moon people. Um, He also co-founded 
the organic theater in Chicago. So this is, mm. you know, like the second time in like three weeks that we've talked about Someone a co-founder of a theater a in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. um, and they did uh, Bleacher Bums, which was a play, and then it became like a TV movie or Broadway show or whatever it was, um, basically about the Chicago Bleacher, Chicago Cubs fans, Bleacher Bums. Um, he also was the creator of a play called ER, which then later became the comedy series ER, starring Elliot Gould. Um, okay. Which I remember watching on like reruns on Lifetime. And George Clooney is also in that ER. Huh. That was before the dramatic one that came out a little bit later. Um, the other weird thing about Stuart Gordon is he is also the person who uh, helped develop the story for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So he did all of this horror stuff, and then he has Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on the side, and he's still... Um, his estate is now getting residuals from all that stuff. Because uh, he passed. Dennis Paoli, who is the writer of this, did a whole bunch of Stuart Gordon's movies. He was the writer for that, um, for virtually all of his movies. Um, but he also did Ghoulies 2 and stuff like that, too. Um, we talked about most of the actors, didn't we? Yeah. Mark Margolis. Um, like we said, Breaking Bad. I think where I probably first knew of him was from the movie Pie. Okay. Because he's, you know, he's in like pretty much all of Darren Aronofsky's movies. But like Pie, he's like the older man who's like the mentor and the go teacher. Okay. So, um, but he's also in Oz. Yes. <laughs> and and we recently saw him in Christmas Evil. Do you remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, from 1990, where he plays Man Number Two. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute, is that? Yep. Is that him? He's in is. a lot of uh, shit movies before he. Oh yeah. He paid his dues. Got big. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a couple other cast members. We talked about Antonio a lot, but we didn't mention him by name. Is Jonathan Fuller. He hasn't been in a whole lot of stuff that's worthwhile, <laughs> in my personal opinion. Um, but he plays the lead actor in a movie called Arcade. Uh, which I have on VHS. It's not on, not 1991. Uh, Castle Freak, Campfire Tales, Tales, Blood Fist, Six, Ground Zero. So he's in that type of stuff. Um, I also want to mention Oliver Reed, who played the Cardinal. We didn't talk about his scene at all. Um, at one point, a Cardinal comes in to try to stop the torturing yeah. from happening because supposedly the Pope was against it and wanted to stop it. Mm -hmm. um, but Torquemada abused the power and killed the Cardinal, buried him alive behind the wall. Um, evidently that's not true to life. The Pope never yeah. cared. Um, but Oliver Reed, I wanted to mention him. Uh, he's actually a very famous actor. We'll see him again in 1991's Prisoner of Honor. Um, he got a BAFTA nomination for his role as Proximo in Gladiator, you know, where he died in the middle of <laughs> production of that movie, uh, but he still got a BAFTA nomination. Um, but the reason I want to mention him is that he is supposedly starred in the first film to say fuck, which is a movie called I'll Never Forget What's-His-Name from 1967, and he's also in the first film to feature male nudity, like Full Frontal, which is a movie called Women in Love from 1969. I don't know how true those things are, but I thought it was kind of interesting that he had those quote-unquote milestones to his name mm -hmm. so little piece of film history there for you uh last person i want to talk about i want to give a trigger warning uh for suicide um we're going to talk about maria rona de ricci uh, this was her last role she only has four credits to her name uh the movies rage and glory the penitent if i wrote that down right the penitent and also a Fleetwood Mac video, uh, As Long As You Follow is the name of that song. That's it. Uh, she supposedly published a memoir in 2020 called Truth and Dare, a memoir, um, and then committed suicide very shortly after that was published. And that wow. memoir, I think, outlines a lot of her difficulties, not only in the entertainment industry. Apparently, she and Stuart Gordon had troubles um, on the set of this film. Wow. She didn't agree with some of the way some of the rehearsals were handled as the little tidbits that I was able to, to glean from this. Um, and then 
yeah, just other stuff that happened in her life, unfortunately, led to uh, major depression. I guess we're on to true crime of pop culture. Maybe we'll try to lighten it up a little bit. I don't know. I couldn't find... So this movie was released a couple weeks after we did Europa. So I couldn't find too much. Yeah, too much That was stuff, different yeah. or new. And I did... You know, I always try to look up... But you did all the looking up of this cast, and I didn't find anything that horrible that these people did. <laughs> so I have nothing true crimey but I'm just gonna move on to music and I'm gonna talk about some of some albums that were released um, May of 1991 because especially around this week this movie was released the first one was Seal's debut album May 24th 1991 and that had you know the single crazy Hmm. So, the first Seal album. I thought that was album. later. I thought that was like 94, 95 when he came out with most of his stuff. But... No, I mean, a few years later, yeah, I thought I thought this was funny. His second album was also called Seal, but people called it Seal 2. Mm. I think I vaguely remember that. But yeah, the first his first album, May 24th, 1991. And um, these two other albums were released May 28th, 1991, the first being Smashing Pumpkins' first studio album, Gish. Okay. And the second album released on that day, May 28th, was NWA's, their second and final album as a group. Mm-hmm. And before they, you know, all disbanded and started their own solo careers. Yeah. That was also the first hardcore rap album to reach number one on the Billboard 200 charts. Hmm. I've actually never listened to the second NWA album. I don't know if I've listened to all of it. I just know some songs. Yeah, I don't know much of it. I know, like, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, that's the first. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> I listened to that a ton, but I never but got into the second I album. I probably know two or three songs on the second one and uh for the billboard top 100 so like for the top songs they were pretty much similar from what i did for europa which i did the top five singles and those kind of changed after two weeks so i'm just going to do the top five singles as of this was as of june 1st 1991 the first one, the top song was I Don't Want to Cry by Mariah Carey. Sec- number two was More Than Words by Extreme. Okay. Number three was I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Bad. Number four was Love is a Wonderful Thing by Michael Bolton. And number five was Rush Rush by Paul Abdul. And so a couple that were number ones in future of- or past yeah. episodes. It's just funny, from like two weeks prior, during Europa, all of those dropped to 6 to, to 10. Mm. So the top five that was two weeks before are this now are now 6 to 10. Hmm. So the all, all these 1 through 5 for now was probably just released within the past couple of weeks. Going on to TV, I also looked up... What was on May 31st, 1991, and it was a typical TGIF lineup. Stuff we've all talked about. So we've talked about that so many times, and then I started looking up other stuff, and that's when we went on YouTube and decided (laughs) to see what was released. (laughs) We just typed in the day, Yeah. and then we found a couple game shows. Yeah, and we watched one of them. We watched one of them, which was To Tell the Truth, which was the final episode for that iteration yeah for that it yeah iteration because to tell the truth has been off and on since the 50s yes and it's currently back on with With, anthony anderson as the host yeah primetime abc part of their yeah uh, so this was the last episode as of 1991 (laughs) where alex trebek was the host 
And when we see it lasted like what eleven episodes total. Yeah, it was it only like it. O- it was for a year. It was nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety one. So it was just that one year, eleven episodes. Yeah, not even a full half season worth. Yeah, yeah. yeah but and if you, if the you episode, search... if you search, if you just type in May thirty first, nineteen ninety one, it appears. Yep. A panel show where they have four celebrity panelists or judges and then three random contestants. The judges have to guess if the contestants are telling the truth. Yeah, like there's three of them. who they say they are. There's three of them who are all pretending to be the same person. They have to guess who the real one is and who the 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 imposters are. The celebrities ask questions to these three contestants, and then after asking a couple questions each, they pick who the real person is that they say they are. And if the the contestant fools them or tricks them, they get a lot of money. Yeah. They get like a few thousand dollars or something. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know what they said specifically, but yes. Yeah. Uh, Probably a more modern example for people of our generation if you're a nickelodeon fan it's like figure it out is a very yeah. similar show yeah so just no slime yeah no slime in this one yeah so the four celebrities quote unquote oh. like we we were like who are these people <laughs> the four celebrities that were on this episode were ron mazak mother yeah, yeah murder mother. she wrote okay yeah all of these they were actors or actresses from they were very well known in the 50s and 60s for the most part yeah a lot of these people were known for doing game show stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) so and ron mazak and mother love who we looked up and she was more of a radio personality and then later became a comedian and then later a writer and then a later her own talk show yeah so this is this is her first screen credit yeah so she yeah she, had so been she on the was radio. on the radio prior mm-hmm. to being on this yeah and then a man named orson bean who i just briefly looked up and he was on the johnny carson show a lot or I, the he's, tonight show I should. yeah he's one of those guys who's really mostly known for game show appearances he's mm-hmm. done like a ton of match game a ton of to tell the truth and past iterations um his probably biggest screen credit that i can find is anatomy of a murder from like the late 50s mm-hmm. and then from there he just kind of yeah became like a a guest Yep. And like random host and, you know, just was famous for being famous. Yeah. And the fourth celebrity judge was a woman named Kitty Carlisle, who was an actress. Yes. And and she was also, she's the person who's most synonymous with To Tell the Truth. Mm. So like if you talk about like the match game from the 70s, you know, people are going to talk about Gene Rayburn or Charles Nelson Reilly. Um, When you say To Tell the Truth people are going to associate it with Kitty Carlisle. Okay. And she, she's been with basically every single iteration since the mid-50s, and she's been, like, you know, the standard. She's like the Joan Rivers of Hollywood Squares, but for To Tell the Truth. Yes. And the first... So the first segment was three... It starts off with three men dressed up as apes. They're in, yeah. ape, they're in ape costumes, and they all say, I'm Dan McLeod, and I am in the movie... Yeah. trading spaces like they all say it at this like one after the other yeah well basically alex Trebek i'm down gives like cloud. a yeah. bio yeah it's like oh, my name is Don mcleod and like so like trebek is like giving like a bio and like a list of facts that they supposedly do yeah, yeah. and you know <laughs> the, the celebrities ask him a series of questions you know what was it like working on trading spaces with you know places trading places right? trading oh trading places i always yeah. think of trading spaces <laughs> yeah there were no gorillas in the in the uh, TLC in the hg hgtv <laughs> tlc yeah trading places and then they were like how was it like working with steve martin Mm-hmm. in you know the man with two brain you know asking them you know about other acting credits and then also asking them stuff about like apes and then questions about who was the woman that you yeah, know who studied gorillas, who studied gorillas and, and 
couple no of them. It. Yeah, no one got it. They were like, uh. <laughs> so, you know, they ask him that those types of questions. And then the real Dan McLeod stands up. <laughs> and then he talks about how he's in a couple other movies. And then he gives this thing where he says he was he's looking for his biological mother. Yeah. And that's when I googled this guy. I was like, did he find his mom? But I couldn't find if he found his mom. But I did find like a whole thing of all the not all the movies that he's been in, but not every single one, but he's also like on this horror fandom site because he mm. plays a lot of monsters. And he, I guess he's most known for playing a werewolf in the howling. Okay. And he so does that mean he's going to be in Howling 6. I mean, he's still alive. But I mean, Howling 6 is a 1991 movie. I did not see that, oh. but he I mean, in the show they do ask him about he is in Naked Gun 2 and a half and they ask him about his role in that and he just says that Leslie Nielsen drives into a zoo and he comes out yeah of the zoo and he's dressed up so he's the gorilla that escapes mm. the zoo. But then I also found out that he played the Quasimodo character in Naked Gun Two and a Half. So he has like a dual role type yes. of a thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we saw a screenshot, right? And it looked like he was... If I remember the joke is like, yeah, they're asking for someone to, you know, lower their back so they could write something. Yeah, and it's Quasimodo. Mm, yes. Yeah. Quasimodo. And he's most known for playing gorillas and monsters, and he's fam- he's famous for being in the movie Total Recall. Okay. He was in Witches of Eastwick. As a gorilla? No. He, okay. <laughs> in Witches of Eastwick, he played... We, we watched this recently. Yeah. He plays the... When Jack Nicholson turns, oh, into, turns into the demon thing, oh. you know, when he peers through the window, that's okay. this guy. Oh, interesting. And obviously trading places, not spaces. And he's also in the 1991 movie Hook. He plays hmm. the shadow. Okay. I don't remember Hook well enough to know what the shadow is, so it'll be a nice surprise to well, see him. Well, you know, again. Peter Pan, even the movie Peter Pan, do you know with his shadow? You know how it's his shadow so did his own thing? I kind of don't like the story of Peter Pan, so I don't Oh, <laughs> I mean, I know it I know it really well, but so he plays Peter on my Pan for that. Yes. <laughs> Peter Pan's shadow. But um so yeah. he's basically like this era's Andy Circus. Yes, like he walked so Andy Circus can run, basically. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I was looking up a lot of his credits. He plays a gorilla a lot, which I thought was in, even to this day, because I saw something. He was a gorilla in was something he in, in Planet 2020. Of movies with Circus? No, he wasn't. Weird. No. Okay. Not even like a tech advisor. Well, maybe. Maybe. I didn't see that. But Not in an I mean, acting role. Maybe he did some ticket. He was in an episode of The New Adams Family. Oh. Which was, that was in the 90s. That was a thing. Yep. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, there were two other segments. The second, there was another one finding like a teacher. Mm-hmm. A f- a teacher like for like a, an experimental school. Yeah. And then another one was trying to find the director of the show. Yeah. It's like, it's this guy named Mr. X and he was either the director of the show or he wrote the song New York, New York and you had to guess which one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, watch the episode to find out. We won't tell. Right. <laughs> Not like it matters. Um, um, but it was interesting yeah, to see was cool to Trebek see. in something else besides Jeopardy and Classic Concentration which was a much more short-lived show than we had Yeah, we thought. watched that we watch it Still. like nightly on Pluto. <laughs> we just found out there's only 40 episodes. I'm yeah. like, oh, I think we've seen them all. Yeah, we've probably seen every one now. So we know all the classic concentration puzzles. Yep. On the rankings and ratings then. So on your one to five star scale, where would you put the pit and the pendulum? I mean, I'm giving this movie a one. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah, on my zero to four star scale, I think it's a one as well. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't the worst thing ever but it 
definitely didn't have I, much polish. I was thinking, like, this is... In the beginning, I was like, this is starting off as worse than Kiss Before Dying. But I think I would watch this again just for the laughs. Yeah. At the end. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, like, it's it's goofy fun. Like, if you can get a crowd together that's, like... To watch the goofiness Into these types of movies that Full Moon is really known for, like, then, yes, it's worth watching kind of for that. If you out there want to watch The Pit and the Pendulum, as of this recording in July 2021, it's available on Tubi, Pluto TV, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. Check your local listings. Oh, by the way, we didn't mention that Tubi also has a 20 or 30 minute behind the scenes making of documentary thing, which we did not get around to watching before this episode, but it's there as well if you want to watch that. Um, As for the podcast, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. It does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of 800-plus movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to go in the opposite direction. We're going to watch Alfonso Cuaron's first feature movie, Solo Con Tu Pareja. It's available on Prime, digital purchase, not rental, and DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks.